0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Here's something that happens with sin. You know, the further you go, the deeper you get into it. And maybe what you would have never done, and some of us know this, right? Wherever you start off in sin, there'll be some things, I'll never do that. But you go long enough and that bar starts dropping and stuff you thought you would never do you find yourself doing. And you just drop the bar a little lower and you keep going, you go long enough. That's why when I'm interacting with people in the world, I don't care how dark, how far they've gone. I, I know the sin has no bounds.
0: Have you been sucked into a hobby? If you know, you know. It doesn't matter what it is. When you get started, you never think that you'll go that far. When you picked up that first collector's card or when you first started tinkering with that engine, you never imagined that you'd end up where you are now. In today's message, Pastor Bill reminds you that sin is like that. You think it's just a little fib or just this one time. But before you know it, you're in over your head and you have no idea how to get out. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 29. As he begins his message, Lord, save me from myself.
1: I titled tonight's message, Lord, save me from myself. And that's what we're going to see here in this chapter. God really keeps David from making a really big mistake. David, God let David make some mistakes, but the mistake that he was about to make right here, God prevents him. And I believe there's good reason for that, because if David had gone to war with the Philistines against Israel and been using his everything that he had to kill Israelites, um, David would now be fighting against who? Fighting against God. God, Israel are God's people. Even when they're, even when Israel is doing bad, they're God's people. And so even when they were in disobedience and pagan kings would come do stuff to them, God would allow it to happen. But then God would say, no, I'm still going to do something to them because those are my people. And so I believe that David was kept in this chapter from A huge mistake. And so something I want to just put in your head and for you to consider and think about in your life, if there have been times where God has kept you from error, maybe you were moving the wrong way for the wrong reason and God stopped it. God shut a door. God didn't allow something to go through. And, and you know, you were fully willing to go through with it, but, but God just, for some reason it didn't go through, it didn't happen. I definitely can think of scenarios in my life where I was bent on the wrong thing and it was prevented in some way. And so I look back, I know that God is sovereign. I know that we do have free will, um, but I wonder if there aren't times where God says, mm, let me help you out today. I'm gonna make it extra hard for you to make this mistake. Let me throw a, a roadblock. Let me, let me throw one extra thing in the road to, uh, for you to consider. So again, had David succeeded at this, I don't know that we have the rest of the story of David the way that we do. I don't know that I don't know that he gets to go on and become the king of Israel and all the things that God wanted to do. Had he gone to war and start wiping out Israelites, uh, I don't believe that his story would end the way that it did. And so with that, let's look at First Samuel, chapter twenty nine, verse one. It says, then the Philistines gathered together all their armies at Aphek. And the Israelites encamped by a fountain, which is in Jezreel. And so you kind of get a picture here. You got the Philistines in Aphek. You got the Israelites in Jezreel. So we have these two groups of people and they're set up. God's people, the Philistines. Um, we, we obviously know these are opposing groups. And I, I know some people wonder, because we, when we read the Old Testament and we look at man, Philistines and Israel, you know, Israelites, And they're at war and they have beef with each other. It's hard to bring that into New Testament Christianity because do we have beef with people like they had? Do we have do we have the same kind of adversaries that the Israelites have? Are we at war with nations? There are pagan nations out there that don't like Christians. Are we at war with them? It's a different program that we're living in right now. Now, New Testament, God said, look, you're you're we're in a spiritual battle. But God says, look, your adversaries are invisible. You, you fight an invisible war. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God. They're pulling down strongholds. Paul said in Ephesians, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness and heavenly places and so forth and so on. And so we're at war, but we're not going to war with people. So keep that in mind as we read this. I don't want people leaving this study night charged up like, who's coming against the people? Look, like, I don't want you going, get on Facebook, start tearing up folks and whatnot. Like, We're not at war with people like they were at war with people, but there's spiritual lessons that we can take from what we see tonight. So we got these two opposing sides, and I believe we have that today. There's always God's side, and then there's opposing sides, those that oppose God. We would still represent ourselves as those that are with the Lord, amen? In every situation, we are those that are with the Lord, on the Lord's side, siding with God, and... If there are people that, that oppose us as we do that, we just got to deal with that. One of the travesties in Christianity today is that Christians want to be liked by the world so much that they leave God's side, go over to the enemy side and say, no, this is the same thing. So as a Christian, I don't help the world if I leave this side of the table that says that's a sin. And I go over there and say, it's not a sin. God loves you and he's OK with it. That's what some people are doing today. You name the issue. Um, you got a Christian saying that it's OK. Oh, you can have sex before you get married. No, you can't. Oh, you can be with someone of the same sex. No, you can't. Oh, you can drink as much as you want. no, know, you can't. Oh, you can smoke this because God made. It? No, you can't. But, you know, you name it. You run down the list. There's believers that are flipping sides. Be careful about that. God's agenda hasn't changed. God's word hasn't changed. What God is what God calls sin hasn't changed. And the remedy for sin has not changed. Amen. And so um, there's always two sides here. There's the Philistines and Israelites. The people of God should have been on what side of this? Israelites. We had a problem, though, because on the Israelite side, there is a king. His name is what? And he's a jerk. So we got bad leadership in Israel. We got a king that's a coward. And this king, if you guys follow the story, the last thing he did was go to a medium, bring up Samuel and get told that he's going to die in a battle tomorrow. And rather than, you know, go being somewhere repenting and crying out to God. Saul just said, oh, well, he's resigned. He's sitting down somewhere waiting to die, waiting to die tomorrow. So that's a sad state of affairs in Israel. Something that I thought of as I was preparing this is. Because I'm looking at David, I'm thinking, how does such a godly man, a man that knows the Lord like he does, how does he sink this low? How did he get to where where we find him here? Because the Bible says these things are written for your learning. So there's something for us to learn for it. I got to look at David and say, David really knew the Lord. David really had a relationship with the Lord. David had some experience with the Lord. He's experienced God's power in his life. And so how does a guy that knows God like that get to the point where he has defected from the people of God to the enemies and is willing to go to war on their behalf. And I'm going to tell you it's one word it's discouragement. This this long season of running from Saul and hiding caves and going back and forth. David is so discouraged that it looks like at this point he's like that's where he got to in verse 27. Instead of talking to the Lord, he was talking to himself. And he got so discouraged, he says, ah, man, I'm eventually, Saul's going to eventually get me. Uh, There's nothing better for me to do than just to join myself with the enemy. And he he made this decision in that place. I want to encourage you guys that if you find yourself discouraged, particularly maybe someone watching or someone here, maybe you had bad church experience, bad experience with church leadership. What you don't want to do is defect to something else. A bad leader in a church does not make Jesus bad. Amen. A bad representative of the Lord does not make the Lord bad. There are poor representations out there. There are some great representations out there. But either way, God is still who he is. God is the only one that's going to be flawless. Jesus is the only one that's going to be without error, without mistake, without flaw. And so if you're looking for a leader that'll never let you down, look no further than who? Anybody else is going to let you down at some point. You're going to be let down by the best of them. And so um, because this happens, there are Christians that, you know, in church and they're serving and they were doing well. And then something happened, something happened with some leader and they're so upset by it, so discouraged by it, so bummed out by it that they leave the Lord. I'm like, leave that leader, but don't leave the Lord. You know, you you still need God. Don't don't let me find out you over there checking out Islam and, you know, putting your nose into Eastern religion and checking out some other things. God is still God. Jesus is still the Lord. And so be careful of that. David, who knew the Lord, knew his power, walked with him, served him in power, experienced God, moved through him. He's so discouraged at this point uh, from this ongoing trial with Saul that David just defected. He's like, ah, it's nothing better for me to do. And I want to tell you how he got there. He got there by not taking it to the Lord. If you're bummed out, you're discouraged, what you don't want to do is don't go have a talk with yourself. Yourself can't help yourself. Amen. (laughs) So don't go have a talk with yourself. You need to go talk to the Lord. You need to get into the word. You need to have a time of prayer. You may need to grab some other people that know the word and know how to pray and let them pray with you and talk to you. But you don't want to go sit down somewhere and have a talk with yourself. So remember that you got three enemies, the world, the what? Flesh and the devil. Remember yourself is on the list of enemies. Don't forget that. I got to remember that because I, I like myself. Well, I, like, I, I mean, I like me, but me is a problem. And I'm one of my own enemies. I can't go to myself. I got to go to the Lord. And I've often had the Lord tell me to tell myself to be quiet, tell him to have a seat somewhere. And that's not what I would have you to do. So, so let's move forward. I, I just want to point out David, who is we still would look at him as a hero. How did he get here? That's how he got here. And so if you're discouraged, if you're distraught, if you've had some leader mess up really bad or just be a bad example, it's OK to get away from a bad leader. But don't let a bad leader run you away from the Lord, because there is nobody else like him. And there's, if you run away from the Lord, you have nowhere else good to go afterwards. You are left uncovered completely. And that's where David finds himself. So believers have to be careful uh, not to get caught up with things that would put us on the other team when we should always be standing with the people of God. Uh, We're living in a culture right now where I'm watching believers over the last year be put on teams. The world is always begging us, join a team, you know, right or left, join a team. You know, I won't get, don't, don't want to go there with the politics, but join a team. There's two teams. Which one are you on? Oh, you know, mask or no mask, you know, join a team, pick a team, you know, shots or no shots, join a team. What team are you World is begging us and and all of these things are just dividing and dividing. Be careful. Be so careful. I don't care about none of that stuff. You know what I care about? I care about Jesus Christ. If you want to get a shot, get a shot. If you don't want to get a shot, don't get a shot. But Jesus, I'll divide over him. That's that's where I'm going to put down. That's where I'm going to put my banner, put down my flag. The world is begging us to say this. Go here. Go. What's your stance, pastor? What do you think? What I think, Jesus, what does Jesus say? I'm on team Jesus. He loves them. He loves them. So I do too. Now what? I go home and love somebody. So be careful about being a believer. I know believers right now that are so vocal, passionate, passionately vocal about stuff that's other than, and they've joined another team. And, and I'm like, I looked at one guy, I said, bro, you, you're on, you're on this team so tough. And you got non-believers. They're like, yeah. I mean, they're, they're like, amen in you, but you're not standing with the people of God. I'm careful about that. I need the, whatever I, whatever team I join, I need the people that are that love Jesus to be able to say amen. I need people that are holding Bibles to be able to say amen. But I see that in the word. You know, be careful. It's a very divisive time. Uh, there are Christian leaders that have gotten caught up on different sides as Christians. Be careful. One team, right? One church. God made it real simple. There's one way. It's narrow. We know who's on it. And that's who I'm running with. I run with believers. I love Christians. I love Jesus. I'm walking with God. I'm not willing to be divided up into 20 other segmental things. I'm going to let people have their way on those things. Uh, Those things aren't going to amount to heaven or hell. I'm not bothering you about that. I'm bothering you about Jesus, because if this this is what really matters when you die and stand before God, will it matter? What politic side you was on? Will it matter when you standing before Jesus? Rather, you was a, a anti-vassar or a vaccinator? You know, he's, he's going to say, you know, where did you stand on? It's going to matter when you stand before him. What did you do with Jesus? If that's all that's going to matter when it all wraps up, then that's all that matters to me right now. We got to keep an eternal perspective. Amen. And so moving on, look at verse two. It says, and the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands. But David and his men passed in review at the rear with Achish. Here we have the lords of the Philistines. They're passing and when it says passed in review, all the men of war are walking by and they're, they're being reviewed. We're seeing they're getting a count. How many guys do we have? How prepared are we are? They're getting ready to go to war. And it says after the lords of the Philistines Review. They went by and there are hundreds and thousands. Then it says, but David and his men passed in review at the rear of Achish. So they came at the rear with Achish. Um, remember, there's all the Philistines are gathering together. David has been over in this little huddle with Achish. Achish is now bringing David to uh, he's bringing him to where the rest of the Philistine homies are, if you will. And he said, hey, he's coming with us to battle. And so he brings David with them, but he brings him in the rear. I think Agus knows that when they, if they sniff out that it's David, they're not going to like it. And so he has David in the rear, but I just want you to just get the picture right here. David is on the side with the enemies of God. And I wonder if David is here, Like, if he had just took a moment and remembered my first battle was against the Philistine. I mean, that's how you got put on the map you got put on the map by destroying Goliath of Gath, the Philistine, you know, that's how it all began. Your first battles and victories were against Philistines. And now David has fallen back so far. Discouragement has brought him to this low place where now he's there, numbered with the enemy, lined up with the enemies, ready to go to war on behalf of the enemy. David is there with his guys. Verse three, then the princes of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the princes of the Philistines, is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me these days or these years? So the princes of the Philistines, they recognize David. And when they see these Hebrews, I want you to note this, right? The Philistines, have a, they got a way they dress. They got a way that they look. Who are these Hebrews doing over here? What are they doing over here with us? Right. They they picked it out. Achish is not having a problem with it. David doesn't see a problem with it. But these guys are like, no, nah, you don't belong here. And I thought that was interesting. I wonder this. I, I thought this out to you guys. If, if maybe in your walk with the Lord, have you ever been somewhere you didn't belong and had a non-believer sniff you out? tell you, you you what are you doing here you you don't belong here that, i've i've literally seen that happen before where a non-believer will sniff out i mean you don't even belong in this setting i got to talk last night to one of my buddies i grew up with a friend of mine named eric and uh, he grew up in a christian home uncle was a pastor family was in ministry they all went to church every sunday but he tried to hang with the homies you know we had our little clique of homies in the neighborhood and, and he would try to hang with the guys i didn't know he was supposed to be a christian and so I got into a scuffle on the bus and the guy that I got into the little scuffle with pulled a knife out. So I backed off, but I was like, next time I see you, you know, it's on. So I tell all my guys, like they know who we all know who he is. I'm like, hey, if y'all see him, tell me or whatever. And so who sees him? Eric sees him. Rides his bike over. He's like, hey, man, I, I just saw him. He's over there at Thrifties." And I'm like, all right. And then we, we run over to Thrifties to go get this guy. So I run over here and I'm- I, I got him. I fought him, I, I, I got him, I beat him up. I never forget this in my whole life. I still tease him to this day. I knocked the guy down, and then Eric was like, bro, stop. And he goes and picks him up. I'm like, what are you doing? Why would you come get me? And then, and then we this is when you came to get me to beat him up. And now I beat him up and you're like, hey, stop. And he, he literally helped him up and 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 like picked him back up and I was. I'm like, bro, what? Don't walk home with me then. Like, who, whose team are you on? It all made sense when I got saved and found out, bro. You was you was living a double. You was a double agent, man. You was over here. The Christ in you was like, no, we can't. You can't leave him here like this. And um, I had no idea what was wrong with my friend. I'm like, bro, why would you come get me? And then you go help the dude up afterwards, you know. But now I get it. Now I, you know, he, he had he had an internal battle going on. But here again, the enemies are acknowledging the enemies of God are recognizing and hey, you don't belong here. You have no business. These Hebrews have no business over here with us. I wish David had been in a clearer place because David should have looked up and said, we got no business over here with them. I got no business aligning myself with the enemies of God, but he's not there. There's a lack of clarity in David's life at this time. And so so he's there. And. He's where he doesn't belong. Achish believes David's lies that he's been out raiding the Israelites. um, But it's not true. David has been living a lie. Right. Achish is fully convinced. Achish is going to get David's back when they question him and they say, hey, you know, what are these Hebrews doing here? Achish says, hey, man, is this not David, the servant of Saul of Israel? He's been with me these days, these years. And to this day, I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. Now. Interesting thing, the, the reason that Akish felt the way he did about David was because David was living a lie to him. If Akish had known that David was going out whooping who he was really whooping, he wouldn't have felt this way. What this means is that David had lived a lie, he had lived it so well that he's convinced this enemy, right? He's convinced Akish that he's he's not out just, you know, he's out fighting Israel. Akish thinks David already is fighting Israelites. And so I had the question initially when you first read this, you think, you know, David intentionally was fighting with enemies and coming back and lying and saying he was fighting with Israelites. But you, you wonder, would he have fought Israelites? It seemed like he intentionally didn't do that. Here's something that happens with sin. You know, the further you go, the deeper you get into it. And maybe what you would have never done And some of us know this, right? Wherever you start off in sin, there'll be some things, I'll never do that. But you go long enough and that bar starts dropping and stuff you thought you would never do, you find yourself doing. And you just drop the bar a little lower and you keep going. You go long enough. That's why when I'm interacting with people in the world, I don't care how dark, how far they've gone. I I know the sin has no bounds. The longer you're in, I know there's no bottom to how dark and how low a person can go in their sin. It's true. The statement, that says sin will take you further than you want to go. It will cost you more than you want to pay and it will keep you longer than you want to stay. So once you commit yourself to it, it's going to have its way in your life. It's you know, it has a way of doing all three of those, keeping you longer than you wanted to stay, costing you more than you want. It has a, it has a way of, of, of ruining your life, but you end up way further off in it than you ever thought you would be. And so. I don't know if David started off thinking that he would do what he's doing now, but he does end up in a place where he's going to be willing. We'll see in this chapter, David is going to be willing. Actually, he's going to be offended when they tell him that he can't go. And so something has definitely happened in his heart where he's he's become willing to go with the enemies. And so again, Achish is defending him. And that last part of the sentence is really sad It says, I have found no fault in him since he defected to me. So he even knows, David, I know where you belong, but you defected to me. Right. So this can happen in in some secular ways this can happen. You can have a guy that plays for a team and, you know, he's mad about the arrangement of his team. And he can go to another team and take all the secrets with him. That's a guy that's defected to the other side. You know, Uh, we would call a guy like that a traitor, you know, that's why people don't like LeBron, because he'd be hopping from place to place. You know, he had his original hometown. I know he's with the Lakers now, but, you know, he's not Kobe. But anyway, um, you know, guys defect to <laughs> they, they defect to different things. And so David has defected to the Philistines and they're aware of it. They're clear of what's happened. Uh, now look at verse four and five. It says, but the princes of the Philistines, So even though Achish was OK with him being there, he's being confronted by the princes of the Philistines. The princes of the Philistines were angry with him. So the princes of the Philistines said to him, make this fellow return that he may go back to the place which you have appointed for him and do not let him go down with us to battle. lest in the battle, he become our adversary. For with what could he reconcile himself to his master if not with the heads of these men?
0: We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word, and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.